What's going on, everybody? My name is Jeff, host of The Debrief with Pastor Matt Brown. Yes. Pastor Matt Brown. I mean, without Pastor Matt Brown, there would be no debrief. Yes. But we are excited for today because we have a special guest uh, that we like to refer to as Dr. Doctor. Yeah. You will find out who he is pretty soon coming up on The Debrief. Yes. You forgot to say. You're supposed to say it with me. Oh, sorry. You want to do it again? On The, the Debrief. debrief. Hey guys, what's going on? This is The Debrief with yes. Pastor Matt Brown, and I'm really excited for this show. Yeah. Uh, well, I'm, I would say I'm excited for every show. Yeah, you get paid to be. So. There you go. I, exactly. <laughs> I have to be here, and praise the Lord, I'm still getting a paycheck. Yes. But we are excited for this show, this program, because we have a special guest here today. Uh, let me tell you a little bit about who we have here today. Dr. Ed Zetzer serves as Dean of the School of Mission, Ministry, and Leadership at Wheaton College and is Executive Director of the Wheaton College, Billy Graham, Senator Billy Graham. He wow. was a good guy. Yes. And uh, he also is frequently cited, interviewed, and writes for news outlets such as USA Today, CNN, and is founding editor of the Gospel Project. He has a national radio show um, called Ed Zetzer Live, which airs Saturdays. And he serves as teaching pastor at, I think, High Point Church in Neverville, Illinois. Wow. And, and there's more I could say about this guy, mm -hmm. but uh, just for time, I wanted to keep it brief. But would you please help me welcome, a yes. debrief welcome yes. to Dr. Ed Zetzer. Yeah, Dr. keep your hands Zetzer. on the wheel, but go That's ahead right. and give him a clap. <laughs> uh, Pastor Matt, please let us know why you thought it would be appropriate to have Dr. Zetzer on the show today. Well, anybody that can be a pastor of a church called High Point in Illinois, because I didn't know that there is any High Point in Illinois. It's pretty flat, <laughs> wow. so that's pretty incredible. You know, that that's yeah, the High Point. That, yeah, elevation, that. four feet. Yes, uh, right. No, but, uh, you know, I've been a big fan of... Yeah. Uh, you know, Ed for a long time, uh, his writings have impacted me, affected yep. me, and um, I'm hoping that he will help us sound better yep. and uh, maybe move our listenership from uh, your wife and my wife. Right. You know, <laughs> Amen. Amen. I mean, the sky's Praise the limit, God. right? Praise God. Praise God. Yeah. Praise. It's good. Goals. So, uh, Dr. Dr. Zetzer, um, just so you know, we've been uh, uh, in the series called Election, where Pastor Matt has been preaching these awesome, amazing, powerful messages. Do I still got a job? Yes, yes, you do. And they really With a tie. Great. That's right. That's With right. A tie. And the debrief, it, this is really just an opportunity for us to dive deeper and for Pastor Matt to ask, mm -hmm. to answer questions that individuals who are all over the world online who watch uh, the debrief, watch the services, to go a little deeper when it comes to um, really uh, the messages and, and in the mind of Pastor Matt Brown. Yes. But who, also, who can know? That's right. That's right. Who yeah. can know what is in there? But not only that, but we'd love to actually dive into your mind today as well, Dr. Zetra. So we have a lot of questions that people have uh, wrote, uh, written in, and we are going to just be going over a few of them. But if without further ado, let me just... Well, let's see. Let's see. I'm going to put him on the spot. Please. So he's got two doctors. I would love to see two doctors. He's got two doctors. Two doctors. A national radio show. That's right. Today's wow. Tuesday. And two masters. He also has and two, two masters. masters. So you okay. have to call him master, master, doctor, doctor. Yes. And now you're just showing off. Right. Yeah. I almost graduated with a doctor. Right. Almost. <laughs> right. Okay. It was that whole, like, final project thing. Right, right, right. Okay. Dr. Setzer, who wins? Give us your prediction. Wow. Uh, Trump or Biden, or, or, or Kanye, or Kanye. Oh, Kanye. <laughs> Don't forget Kanye. Kanye's a big deal in that's California. Right, that's right. Well, you know, here's the thing. I mean, we literally are recording this the day of the election. Yes, and I don't are. even know when it's going to be released. So right. I would say that the polls consistently seem to indicate yeah. that Vice President Biden will okay. win. Mm -hmm. and, uh, and so I will say 
well, there's a 10% chance that that's not the case, or a three or 4% chance, depending on which model you're following. But mm, right. in all likelihood, I believe you talked about how to prepare for political change. Yes, on, amen. Yeah, yeah. your message, and that fabulous time. Did it touch your life? Huge. Did it touch your life? It was amazing. It was yes. amazing. And the whole the whole handheld mic is taking it to another level. Most of us use the headsets, but that's no, right. no, no, not that. No, no, no. Comedians. Um, comedians use the handheld. That's right. And so and also, I'm funny. Yeah, but those of us who control. open the word of God. Yes, not. Amen. Anyway, moving on from there. Um, so so I, I would say that 90% chance is going to be Vice yep. President Biden, but um, I have been surprised before. I think we're all surprised to win 16, except you. You predicted. You called it. I know. It, I did. I, uh, I actually, did you know that, that I won money? Did, did you? you know? Yeah. Are you? Mm? Well, look at I mean, I'm not a betting man because I'm Baptist, but right. I did lay down a bet. Wow. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. I, yeah so, so I think, Baptist. I think, uh, I think it'll be Trump again, but I don't know that I can be right twice. <laughs> I'm knows? smart Maybe. enough to know. Maybe. You know, sometimes you just got to go home. So you do know? you think it? So he thinks it's mm. going to be Biden. Yeah. You think it's going to be? Well, I think the numbers, the numbers of people okay. that are voting is problematic for an incumbent. So that's okay. just the okay. bottom line. So typically when you typically when you have an incumbent running, you have lower numbers. Even Barack Obama got like 4.5 million less votes the second time than he did the first time. Um, I think the exception of that would be George W. Bush. Uh, right. yeah. But that's that's he sure. broke the rule. So um, George W. C. Jr. I can't remember what the initials w. are. Yeah, W. So, so that does not bode well. And I think it's a tough. COVID's tough for every world yeah. leader. So one of the yeah. things we talked about, you know, Ed, this week is, you know, what what world leaders nailing COVID? Like the, all of these leaders are just baffled. I have friends. I'm sure you do in Europe. I got friends in uh, uh, England. They got shut down for six weeks again. Nobody in. Yeah. Nobody out. So this is problematic, and it just shows people, again, how small we are as people. Yep, sure. Something as small as a yep. virus can disrupt every aspect of our lives, and, um, you know, we, we, we don't know. And yep. so yep. so I, I think it's a, it's a tough thing. Um, I, I, the reason I picked Trump last time is I travel, like I'm sure, you know, Ed travels way more than me. I just saw how upset people were mm. with, the, with the status quo last sure. time, and I realized, man, this guy, you know, no matter— one of the things I think media tries to do, Ed, is they try to tell you not to believe your eyes. And as I was seeing the rallies, I'm going, this guy's for real. Right. And so no matter what they tell us, the pundits in you know, New York City and DC, I'm going, this guy's packing out. Yeah. Right. You know, and I knew people in my life that had never voted in their life and voted. Yeah. And, that's, and that's huge. And so, so we'll see. Um, you know, either way, we serve Jesus. Yep. Either yep. way, we got to move forward and we got to work with either. Um, and for those of us in, in, in California, um, Dr. Setza. Uh, our problem is our governor. So, and unfortunately, he's not running. I wish he was running. I might be a little more passionate uh, because he's our problem. And so, you know, DC is not our problem. It's our it's our local leadership, and um, yeah. you know, California's falling apart. Yeah. So, well, there you go, uh, Dr. Zetza. Uh, and I'm sorry, I have to call you Doctor. I'm That's sorry. fine. This is but do you need to call refer to me as like maybe Bishop or His Holiness? Holiness. Yes, His Holiness. Holiness. Yes. Um, so why my, are you laughing when I say I, I'm, that? I'm, I'm trying to because I want to laugh, but also want to keep my job. Okay. Yeah. Well, he's a guest. So, he's going to be gone. You, go. you have to you be go. here next there week. There you go. Uh, Dr. Zetza, what do you think the best path forward looks like for the church on the other side of the election? Mm. Good question. Well, uh, first, I think that um, Matt is going to owe me a dinner if, if I'm right and he's wrong and vice versa. So we'll, we'll get and plan that. I, you know, right. now that my daughter's at Cal Baptist, we can we can oh. dine and discuss. Yes. Um, so here's what I would say. I think ultimately that we need to remember that um, whoever wins this election is really just a, a blip on the radar screen of history. And the kingdom of God 
that's broken into the world through Christ is that which uh, which is going to continue. Matter of fact, you know, centuries from now, there's probably not going to be a United States. Who knows what right. the political configuration will be? Mm-hmm. No one's going to think back and say, well, that 2020 election, that was the most important thing that ever happened. No. I mean, ultimately, if the Lord tarries, the Lord doesn't return a thousand years from now, we'll be continuing in another configuration and the kingdom of God will still be at work in the world. The church will still be the instrument that God uses. Ephesians 3.10 says God has chosen the church to make known his manifold wisdom. Mm -hmm. So my hope is that the church can functionally pull together in the midst of some of these really broken, divided times. The world can't seem to deeply disagree and make different decisions in a voting booth and still not hate each other. But the reality is the people of God are called to a higher purpose and a mm-hmm. higher kingdom and a higher value. So that's my hope is that the, the world's going to keep being divided. Right. And regardless, a lot of people are going to be depressed in the next few days, assuming we know in the next few days, wherever, right. uh, wherever lost their candidate lost. And yet here as followers of Jesus, we know a better kingdom. We can show a better way. Yeah. Amen. And I think we have a solution. Yeah. You know, Ed, the thing that I've see, seen change is you know, growing up as a kid, you know, my parents were, you know, passionate uh, Jimmy Carter Democrats. Um, that's just who they were. Yeah. Uh, he was very popular within Southern Baptist life. But there were Republicans within our church, and they all got along. Mm. Um, and they came together for a greater purpose, and they worshiped together. But I see that that's been a real challenge, in even in our church, yeah. uh, getting people to even talk about— um, God in the midst of politics. And that's why this series is called Election, Seeing Politics Through the Eyes of God, because I don't think most Christians see politics through the eyes mm-hmm. of God. They see it from their perspective. Mm-hmm. And uh, and I see, you know, at almost this move away from spirituality and politics has become this religious-like cult on both sides where, you know, either side is apocalyptic. Mm-hmm. You know, I mean, it's the end of the world if the other mm-hmm. side wins. And it just, it terrifies me. Um, and I watch people that, come to church and yet they're more passionate about the election, about putting a Biden or Trump, you know, um, sign in their yard than they would ever be about inviting somebody to church. Yeah. I mean, that's the thing that breaks my heart. Man. So yeah, politics, politics makes a terrible idol and it makes a terrible God. And I think one of the things that we have to do now, don't misunderstand. I think there are serious issues. I think we yeah, think I agree. there are serious agree, issues yeah. at stake. You've talked about some of them. Um, there are serious issues at stake. But when this defines your reality, then ultimately your reality has become filled with something that is temporal, yeah. uh, that is imperfect. I mean, here, here's the reality. So, yeah, and you're right. I mean, again, those those yard signs are fascinating. You know, here, you know, at Sandals, big outreach, try to, you know, invite people and yard signs get up some, but people seem more likely to put up a political yard sign than a Jesus yard sign. Yeah. Why, oh, wow. why is that? And so... I think ultimately one of the things that would be really helpful, first of all, let me just say in the presidential election, again, it's very important. I, I voted, you know, yeah. and, and you know, and it, it really matters, but it's not the most important thing. As a matter of fact, presidents can have a lot less power than most people think. Yes. There's all kinds of constructs politically. There's, you know, checks and balances, all that sort of stuff. So I voted because I think this is a very important election, yes. but every year they tell me it's the most important election yes. in my life. Yeah. Yeah. And every year, I, after the election, whether a person wins that I voted for or loses that I voted for, I get to show and share the love of Jesus. I get to build relationships with people who have different ideas than I do, different right. backgrounds, different races, different ways of thinking who are followers of Jesus. And then together, we can build relationships with people who disagree with us. So here's the thing. Um, 
you know, we're recording this on election day. Right. This is going to feel different next week. Mm. So don't burn bridges now that you want to actually walk across, share the gospel over mm. or be in fellowship with after. That's wow. always my exhortation to people. Too many people are being discipled by their cable news choices yes. and spiritually shaped by their social media feed. Mm-hmm. And that just doesn't look like Jesus. That no. looks like American politics, temporal and failed. Yes. Wow. Yeah. And, um, you know, Ed, I've shared with our church that I have, you know, family members that are non-Christians who are right-wing Trump supporting Republicans. And I have family members who are not Christians who are left-wing Biden. I have a family member that was a part of Chaz in Seattle, like, and I want them all to know Jesus. And I want to be able to talk with them about specific issues. And so, you know, I believe biblically, but I try to think and reason progressively. That's what I try to do. So I, I try to stay grounded biblically but I've got to enter into the mind in the context of our current culture. And I think that's what you do so magically. Can I use that word? Hmm. You know, it's, our it's homeschool okay. mom's okay. just aghast. Right. Oh, Harry Potter, ma- Harry Potter. <laughs> right? Um, no, you, you don't want to tick off homeschool moms. I'm just warning you. Yes. They're, they're right now back yes. at home, churning their that's own right. butter. And that's they true. are not happy with <laughs> yes. churning their own They love me though. Um, in our hyper politicized climate, wow, mm-hmm, that's exactly where we are. How can the church promote unity regardless of what the results are. Is that for me or for him? That's for both of you. I would just say it it comes back to purpose and meaning. And part of the reason young people, I think, are so consumed with politics is the church has not done a a good well, a good job giving them purpose and meaning. There's something beyond this. You know what what Ed said, this is so temporary. Every congressman that's elected, Mm -hmm. every senator that's elected, even the president that sits in the office, it's a temporary seat. we're talking about eternal things and things that matter. Yeah. Um, and so I think that uh, we have to, to learn to be reasonable yeah. and we have to learn to be clear, clear and be so, be so careful about what we have opinions about. And I think uh, that's where we get in trouble, especially, you know, Ed deals with a lot of pastors like myself. And, you know, we, we sit on these mini thrones, on these massive congregations <laughs> and people, oh, what do you think? You know, yeah, and sure, it's like, right. I think that can become addictive. And then all of a sudden, you've got to interject yourself into everything that is the, is the moment of the day. And so I just try to t- think long-term and try to think about what's my mission and my purpose. And ultimately, I think what's so exasperating about politics is it doesn't provide that sense of meaning. Um, and uh, so that's my answer. That's what good. do you think, Ed? That's good. I would add, too, that it's, it's the whole political reality is built on the propagation of fear, largely because, and I'm not saying there are things not, there are things that we shouldn't be concerned about, there are. But the reality is, is what politicians know is that fear works. So, yes. you know, we oh. now watch the commercials here outside of Chicago, and, and it appears that this one group of people wants to kill us all this way, and the other group of people wants to kill us all this way. Mm-hmm. And so fear works, it drives people to the polls, but we've not been given a spirit of fear. You know, I wrote a, yeah, an editorial in the Dallas Morning News um, Sunday, uh, their opinion page, and, and I say, you know, whoever you vote for, fear, is not a Christian virtue right. to choose in an election. Now, concern is, and I would say righteousness, and I, I would say concern about uh, justice and concern about a hundred issues. I can yes. list all of the issues, and that makes the complex voting choice. But when it begins with fear, it's not of the Lord. Mm-hmm. And yet, that's the very thing the political campaigns begin with is fear. So here's the challenge. This is where it's contrary to the word of God for us to buy into that. So for us instead to think, how would I strategically best use my vote to, to, to make the world more like Jesus would want it to be, to make the world more just and right? And, and uh, then, then I, I vote accordingly. But the challenge is 
is literally the starting point that works in American electoral politics is is actually said that we can't hold and we can't do as follow for Jesus and that's to be driven by fear. Yeah. So I, I, I wanted to just um, go back to the question. Can you give us like both starting with you, Ed, um, how can the church promote unity regardless of what? So like what tangible things do you think the church can do? The church meaning actual people. What can the church do to promote unity? What what steps could a person actually make in their daily life or throughout the week to actually promote unity regardless of what the results are? Yeah, I think I think one of the things that we can do to promote that that post-election unity is is still have conversations. I, I don't think that it's a good thing to say, okay, the election's over. It wasn't that big of a deal. So that's not what I'm saying. Uh, there weren't significant issues at stake. There, right. weren't, there weren't issues that mattered to us deeply. Mm-hmm. But I do think to have a conversation and ask, why is it that for me, someone who's pro-life, this really matters to me? And kind of talk through someone. Why is it for someone who really thinks, in my, in my case, and I'm sure yours as well, that systemic racism is, is an important issue and we need to we need to address some of the structural issues that are still at work. Why, why is it that I care about religious liberty? Why is it that I care about how we speak of immigrants and refugees? Hmm. So what you find is that some of those values may have directed me in a different direction politically, hmm. but those are all, those four things I mentioned are all biblical values. Right, sure, yeah. So to have a conversation, so maybe I might listen and say, well, I can see, I mean, right now I think some people could just, they can't see how someone could have made a different choice than them. Yeah, oh. And I know godly people who went into a polling booth who disagreed with me on how they cast their vote. And they came to a different calculus. They came to a different strategy. I'm right. going to use my vote in this way. So I think having those discussions okay. goes a long way. So we still have a lot of conversation to have about how do we value people who are different than us? How do we how do we work towards a culture and a value of life mm. that, that is evident in from the womb to the tomb? How, 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 how do we live in a world where, where people, this rising sense of anti-everybody who doesn't look like us can become yeah. so evident? And I would just say they're not sloganistic, simple answers that campaigns put out. Oh, I but this agree. is the kind of thing the body of Christ is good at, listening and learning from one another. And I think, you know, in a church like Sandals, which is so diverse, it has, you know, it's a, it's a great, you know, people have different political views and backgrounds. This is a great opportunity to say, why would followers of Jesus not all agree with me if we're all reading the same Bible? Because mm. there are historic reasons, there's cultural background reasons, uh, there's there's history of, of racial tension and yeah. all that's there that have often led us to different places. I think that unity is not to say, all right, this is done, let's move on, let's continue to learn from another. There's a mm. lot of brokenness in the world. Amen. And one way Christians respond to that is to learn how people respond Amen. differently to the broken mm-hmm. world Amen. around them. So good. Amen. I, I think the key so uh, for Christians is not to fall into the trap of oversimplification. It's So I think Ed touched on one uh, kind of weapon that politicians have, yeah. which is to play to fear. The other yeah. weapon that they use and they use well is they oversimplify everything. It's just mm-hmm. so simple, right? So if we just get rid of this evil guy, then I'm going to fix this situation. And so, so even if you know, if you're a Democrat, right, and you think Trump is, you know, the antichrist, y- y- you can't too quickly go, well, wait a minute. What was it like when Obama was in office? All my problems didn't go away <laughs> because it's not just who right, sits yeah. in the White House. Yeah. It's not magical no, either right, way. Right. And these are complex issues. And so the Apostle Paul says that we need to take every thought captive 
and make it submit to Christ. And so as Christians, we have to really press through some of the philosophies, uh, some of the strategies of, of, of some of the things that are happening in our world and really begin to look at that and speak into those issues. Um, you know, because, you know, Ed, we have an issue in, in, Southern, in Southern California and all of California. We have the worst air of any state, you know, and our, and our governor has eliminated all nuclear energy, the purest form of energy there is, and it produces no CO2. And so, like, I, I try to talk to people about, you know, why is it that we, we're moving completely towards natural gas and, and trying to get them to think reasonably about this. And, and what I'm trying to get them to see is Democrats have ad- objectives and agendas, too. You know, our, our former governor, Jerry Brown, out here is the number one stakeholder in natural gas land. Wow. Wow. Okay. That, that, that's got to play with something. And it's not just the other side is dirty, but it's being able to say, look, this is a complex issue. We all need to care about our environment. I'm not an environmentalist, mm-hmm. but I do believe that the Lord has given me the earth as, as a steward. And I try to mm-hmm. speak into that. Things like healthcare, you know, free or not free, uh, college free or not free, and being able to reasonably speak into that and try to provide some objectivity and some clarity on issues that are... Um, you know, very, very complex. You know, you and I have talked deeply. So, Ed, you know, my my, my mother uh, considered abortion when I was in her womb. It's something that's deeply personal to me. Uh, but I also have a heart for my 21-year-old mom yeah. who was in a tough spot, in a, in a bad situation. I don't want to objectify her and, and oversimplify the process, but I want to be able to have a voice in our culture that says the unborn life matters. Right. Yeah. And I want to unapologetically be able to present that. And I know a lot of my friends who are Democrats, that, that voice has been silenced. Yeah, right, They've been sure. kicked to the curb where they, they used to have a seat at the table within the party, and they, and they don't now. And that's an increasing frustration. And so, um, and Ed, I, I've said on this show, we need to be concerned about the health of the Democratic Party and the Republican Party because every eight years we get one or the other. <laughs> and yeah. so, um, you know, I've been an outspoken uh, um, proponent of Tulsi Gabbard. I'm a big fan. I really like her. I think she speaks the truth. She got nowhere. <laughs> and that concerned me. Good, good job. Good job supporting her. You know, because I think she's fantastic. Cool. And, and so some of my Republican friends, you know, the, the Trump, Trump trained guys, I said, look, we're going to get one of these two sides as president. And one of the things I hear all the time is, well, how did we end up with these choices? <laughs> well, the, the way you end up with these choices yeah. is when you get a Tulsi Gabbard, people don't support her and say, you know, uh, that's somebody that I as a conservative person yeah. could vote for because right. I, I just respect her voice. And I think she's uncompromising. Um, and I think that's a quality that we need on the left or the right. Um, you know, I want somebody that tells me the truth. I don't want the snake in the grass. And so we have to learn to be supportive of that. And, and I don't know about you, Ed, but I find Democrats are very leery of coming on the show, speaking with me. They're afraid that they're going to get just hammered because they see me, a white guy, uh, you know, a conservative Christian in terms of, of my biblical understanding. And they think I'm, I'm just going to, you know, browbeat them to death. And it's just so sad. Yeah. Um, so I would say don't oversimplify thing. And then like Ed said, begin a conversation. And, and what I try to do, and you've seen me do this, mm-hmm. is I try to listen. Mm-hmm. Yes. Tell me tell me about your perspective, because I don't know what it's like to be a black man in America. I have no idea. Yeah, right. uh, I mean, you know I wanted to be black right. because Michael Jackson yes, was a big right, influence right, in my life. Right, right. So, you know, uh, that's just know. one of the things that we joke about. Um, I don't know if he was the best example, but that's all right. I, dude, I was into him in the sixth right. grade. <laughs> in the sixth grade. I mean, come on. You know? That's all right. That's all right. It was, it was a good thing. Beat It changed my life. Come it was on. incredible. Right. That song, that it's rhythm. It was a good song. Yeah. Continuing the conversation on what the church is called to do when it comes to politics and issues and not promoting division, uh, we got another question uh, in on Instagram this week, and it says, mm. how can pastors, here you go, yeah. here you go, guys, how can pastors have an opinion without getting slaughtered for having one? Yeah, you can't because, I mean, I don't know about Ed's church, but um, you're in Chicago, but here, no matter what I say, 50% hate it. So uh, we got pummeled because we didn't require a mask. 
Ed, and then we had people that lost their minds because we didn't militantly make every single person wear a mask. I mean, that, that, that's just a picture of it. And so what I tell people, and I want to hear Ed's take on this, is the gospel is offensive enough. Mm-hmm. Is I don't need to add any offense to it. Right. Like, you're a sinner headed to hell. Apart from Christ, there is no hope. Yeah. Oh, and by the way, you know, you suck at politics. Yeah, you know, right, right. I don't want to add that mm-hmm. to, to, to the already very, very uh, difficult sell here because, you know, mankind's greatest problem in my mind is we're rebels against God. We've rebelled against God, and I'm trying to invite his enemy back. And so that's a very delicate process. And so I would just say to Tony, ask yourself, are you the person to do this? I don't think that every pastor is called to speak on this. I wish most pastors didn't. I have a political science background. That's a passion of mine. I try to talk about it. I, I believe I'm reasonable. Mm-hmm. I, I just do. I mean, I, my wife doesn't always agree. Right. But I believe that I am a reasonable person. <laughs> and I think that some people should speak into it. Sure. Um, I wish that most didn't because I think that it's inc- it's incredibly already difficult to get people to listen and i think the world is already convinced we hate them and we don't need to give any evidence yep. uh you know to that opinion that they sure, already have sure. so i would just say tony be careful ed what would you say hmm. yeah no i actually agree i've actually been surprised how forthright you've been about your views on politics on this conversation i i generally don't find pastor first of all let me just say uh big cheers for your comments about nuclear energy one of the things that could have significant impact on poverty around the world, uh, on, on on the air and everything else. And it's been demonized in ways that are super unhelpful. But I will tell you, that's the first time in all of my conversations with Christian pastors that I've heard somebody actually correctly, in my view, affirm nuclear energy as a solution. Yeah. Come, on. Come said, on now. Come, come on. on now. Come on that's now. why they call it doctor. So my caution to pastors and church leaders would be, you know, I'm a cultural commentator, you know, so I'm, most of my job is writing things. So something like during the, campaign, I, I would tweet about something being pro-life and invariably, you know, I happen to have a pretty significant Twitter following. Someone will respond, well, but what about, you know, children at the border? And then I would respond back and say, here's the article I wrote the morning of the midterms in Vox about the importance of us speaking up for children at the border. So because I've done that, I've kind of, I don't have a lot of unpublished thoughts. So I've, you know, I've written on most of the issues of right. the day in context. What I would say is, um, I don't think that's a healthy thing for pastors to always do. And it's intriguing to me that because of your political science background, you opine a little bit more. The, the, the challenge is, is I think pastors need to choose wisely. And, you know, during the Trump administration, there have been some things that President Trump has said, sure. that whether you like him or not, that yeah. uh, follower of Jesus, they're pretty egregious. They're pretty shocking. And I think it's a good thing for people who might assume that pastors, you know, maybe they're in, you made a conservative church for them to say, you know, that's really wrong. We don't, we don't talk that way. That doesn't yeah. honor the Lord. Mm-hmm. So you're putting a little daylight between you and the president that people might assume that you support. However, I don't think that you need to put out a press statement every time president Trump says something, or, you know, if, if it's president Biden soon, every time president Biden says something, uh, largely because your primary role as a pastor. Now, again, we got lots of listeners of Sandals Church are not pastors, but that was a pastor-related question. Your primary role is to pastor people who may make different political decisions. Their calculus about their vote yeah. came out different than yours. So what I would say is make your primary focus as a pastor and church leader, and even as a follower of Jesus, as a follower of Jesus, to be things that are about Christ and his kingdom, focused on the gospel and the scriptures. And there are some of those things, for example, as a pro-life person, and also as someone who I, I want the, I want people to know that the, the lives of black people really matter too. Mm-hmm. And so as someone who speaks and thinks both of these things matter, 
I can do those without necessarily aligning with a political party or responding to a political organization. And I can still speak the truth. And so I, I would be careful. Now, can you say those things without being killed? Which is the answer is probably no, because yeah. these things have been so politicized. Even when I said that the lives of black people matter, some people they're listening and they, they're just kind of, they could feel, feel their dander go up and others were saying, well, good, finally, you know, say that's important. Mm -hmm. Everything's not politicized. Right. And the challenge right. is uh, when people don't know you and you know, most of your listeners don't know me, uh, they assume a set of other things that tracks along with that when really those are just biblical truths. Yeah. And I think ultimately it's better to stay in that lane, mostly speak out, speak up on issues of justice, on issues of clarity, speak out when on biblical truths. And I think that makes a better path for most pastors. And again, this is from a guy who's saying, do as I say, not as I do. Cause you know, I, I, I like I said, I just, I write a lot of articles, a lot of publications on things like this, but that's my job. I'm a cultural yeah. commentator in part. And on the weekends when I preach, I preached this Sunday at a church in Manhattan in New York City. Mm. Um, I didn't I didn't preach about the election. I had more important things to talk about. I had King Jesus to talk about this mm. Sunday. Mm. Mm. That was good. So, yeah, I, I just think that, um, yeah, like you said, you're going to get slaughtered either way, and, and you just have to be really, really careful. And I think it's keep the main thing. The main thing is we are here to serve King Jesus. We are here to ultimately bring bring about his kingdom. And I just think it's it's really, Ed, I think, the loss of evangelistic passion. Uh, I mean, Sandals gets pummeled by so many of our churches around us because we grow. Yeah. But the reason we grow is because we reach, and we reach Amen. lost people. A lot of the churches around us reach our people. <laughs> so they share, them the, they share with them the deeper gospel, right? And what that is yeah. is they're afraid to actually talk talk with their Hindu neighbor, their atheist neighbor, you know, their, their neighbor who knows nothing about Jesus. And that's really the focus of Sandals is lost people. Amen. And uh, I, I don't want them to get it twisted. I want them to see Jesus. And I think the church does have uh, the obligation to speak. You've heard me openly criticize the president for how he speaks. I think it is extraordinarily pro problematic and pedantic. Yeah. Um, you know, there's something that's just broken or missing um, in terms of how he retaliates that's not Christian. Yeah. It's not a Christian virtue to strike back the way that he does. He is in the position of power. Uh, I had hoped that he would change when he was elected from when he was candidate Trump, and that, that hasn't happened. But I do say this, Ed, you know, as a talker, you're a writer, so I think that in your craft, uh, specificity and clarity is on your side, right? And you're typing and you're clear. And I don't know if you've written articles where later you're like, ah, I wish I wouldn't have said it that way. When I speak, I always wish I would have said it something different. And so I have a, a level of grace. I don't like my conservative friends who make fun of Joe Biden tripping over his words. Uh, I, you know, I don't like it when, you know, they jump all over the president because he misspeaks. Cause I do that. You've heard me do that. Um, you know, one time Ed, I said to our church, I've had sex the world's way and God's way. And I'm here to tell you the world's way is better. So, uh, you know, that was, a miss. Right. That's not what I meant to say. I actually, wow. I actually meant wow. the exact opposite. Right. No, it was a powerful <laughs> yeah. moment, Ed. I'm right. telling you. Was good, man. Life people that day. people <laughs> came to Jesus. My kids were curious. They right. wanted to know right. about the other way. Uh, um, show us that. Oh, dude. And right. so, so we have to, I think we have to have a level of grace. And, and here's what I would say, you know, Ed, is I think Trump is not, um, he's not the problem with our mm -hmm. symptom. I think he's the result of our symptom. Uh, and things wow. have become so con wow. contentious. He's, you know, he's the one that's risen to the top. And it's, we have to take a a look at ourselves. Yes. You know, you've heard me say in our church, everybody's upset with congressmen and women, but who keeps sending them yeah, there? Right. 
It's us. And so Congress in D.C. is a reflection of what's wrong with America. And so we keep thinking we're going to change America by sending new rats you know, to mm. D.C. And wow. we have to realize what has to change is us and our hearts and what's happening locally. And uh, I think part of the problem, too, Ed, is just this myth that if we change D.C., everything's changed and our neighborhoods are rotten, our schools are rotten, our local communities are falling apart. And most people in our church have no idea who our mayor is. Like Ed met our mayor, which is amazing. I bet I bet half of Sandals doesn't have any idea who the mayor of Riverside is um, or who's even running for, you know, because our mayor is not running again. There's two new people and they have no idea what's happening at, at a local level. It's it's really, really tragic. And those are oftentimes the actual decisions that determine the outcome of the people who you know, um, and, and this, the places that you live. So yeah. I'll zip it there. Well, here's here's one guy uh, who seems to be pretty informed, Stephen. Uh, Stephen, who uh, listens to your messages. Uh, he said, you mentioned Ephesians 4, 30, 31 this week, uh, it, meaning letting go of anger, bitterness, mm -hmm. etc. Pastor Matt. In Matthew 21, 12 to 13, I think we are given an example from Jesus of what righteous anger looks like. Right. My questions are, is righteous anger a real thing for us as Christians? And if so, what does it look like for us to express that in a way that pleases God in our current political climate? Right. So James explicitly says human anger does not accomplish the righteousness of God. Mm -hmm. So you're not Jesus, Stephen. I appreciate you. I appreciate the question. You're not, you're not Jesus. Sure. When I'm angry at my wife, I'm not a good husband. Right. When I'm angry at my kids, I'm not a good father. When I'm angry at culture, I'm not a good Christian. And so what I have to do is I have to take a step back. So there's this really interesting um, uh, text in, in, in the Levitical law, and it talks about putting kids to death, which is a controversial issue. But I think the wisdom there is so amazing. Mom and dad, you can't kill your kids. You have to bring them to the elders, and the elders decide non-biased, unemotionally involved people have to make the decision. And so that, that's what's best. And that's why our emotions, I, they just get so out of control. I find myself getting upset, angry. Uh, insulted. That's not time. the time to tweet. That's not the time right, to post. Sure. That's not the time to rant. I have to take a step back. I have to confess my anger towards the Lord and say, Lord, Lord you've given me a platform. Yep. I want to humbly represent you in this. Um, you know, Ed, we have about 30,000 people a week that tune in to uh, Sandals Church um, you know, uh, online. Uh, I don't, I think we only have about 3,000 that are attending live. Mm -hmm. Not all yep. of our campuses are able to meet live. Um, and they're sharing that with people. So I have to be so careful what comes out of my mouth. Yeah. And I grew up a Southern Baptist. And I mean, the more you got yelled at, the better the sermon was, mm -hmm. right? Like if you felt right. like crap, right. that was the word of Christ. <laughs> and I just don't think that works right. anymore. And so we just have to be so careful. And I actually think Trump is at his worst when he's ad-libbing, responding to the energy of the crowd. Uh, I think he's at his best. Um, when he is articulate and clear and cool-headed, yeah. when he it's gets right, emotional, sure. uh, his first debate was one of the worst performances. I, I mean, I just I always thought it was tragic, um, you know. And I just think that we all look like Trump when yeah. we are snarling, yeah. bull kicking, right. ready to come out of right. the gate, firing, you know, all the things that we believe. I, I didn't think he was clear. Mm -hmm. I, I, I thought it was it was foolish. And as Christians, you know, we have one shot to communicate. And I think it's okay to say I'm deeply frustrated. Um, you know, there's some things that have happened in California, you know, um, they passed a bill here, Ed, uh, recently that lowered, um, the, uh, the amount of time that you serve for rape, uh, when it's homosexual between a, uh, an adult and a minor. So they lowered the offense and they did it in the name of it's unfair that the uh, crimes were, um, 
disproportionate between heterosexual rape and homosexual rape. And what I wanted to say is, I, I'm, I, then, then let's raise the penalty for you know heterosexual rape to, to, to meet it. I don't want anybody raped. But I don't need to be angry and snort and growl and lose my mind over something that I think most Democrats and Republicans would agree on. That's not good. When we have children being raped, we want those people locked up for a long time. Uh, I prefer forever. Um, You know, that that's my particular take on, on the issue. But I don't need to I don't need to be out of control. I actually need to be in control. So the fruit of the spirit is self-control. When somebody's out of control, that is not the Holy Spirit. So, you know, when I tell my wife I'm going to give her a piece of my mind, she's not getting any of my mind. She's getting all emotion. She's getting she's getting the worst of me. And unfortunately, I think anger motivates because I think we all want an outlet. Mm -hmm. We all want an outlet. Um, You know, I think we were all just what happened to George Floyd was abhorrent. Yeah. It was abhorrent. But I think that there was, there's a lot of people that are, that are looking for an excuse to let that rage out and that mm-hmm. anger out. And you and I have talked about black yeah, owned businesses right, right, and people yeah. that have lost everything. Yeah, yeah. I don't know if you saw Ed, but a Vietnamese church was burned to the ground this Saturday in, in Philadelphia. Yeah. That breaks my heart uh, absolutely. because I know, I know those are immigrants. I know they've come to America right. uh, wanting to worship in freedom. And I can't imagine what that's like to flee a communist country and you come to America and rioters, I mean, they have, you want to talk about a group that has nothing to do with police right, brutality, right. Vietnamese immigrants, you know, in downtown sure, sure. Um, uh, Philadelphia. Philadelphia, there we go. Thank you for saving me. Yeah. You know, the city of bro- bro- brotherly love, you, bro- and it just breaks you, my heart. And so, yeah. Ed, I don't know what you would say to that, but I just, I just think anger, you know, Moses got angry, hit a stick with a rock and God says, you're not getting the promised land. And that stuck with me. So yeah. go take it from yeah, there, Ed. So the tricky thing is that anger is a, an English word that encompasses a lot of things. And, and it's a little tricky because, I mean, there are things that, you know, the Bible says be angry, do sure. not sin. So, yeah. so there's a sense. I think it's when it's that out of control anger that you have very clearly, I think, explained. And we talked about where we see that the president or anybody else. Or we, we can go from the president to, to rioters and that uncontrolled anger. Now, for me, I really do think that this is a problem with Christians and um, who have become increasingly angry. And this is a uh, last time I in the before time, you know, when, right. when before COVID, before time, I did a series at Saddleback. We did uh, Rick Warren. I did four weeks together, kind of looking at outrage. And the whole thing was grace in the age of outrage. And I, I would say that's a key thing for us. I wrote a book called Christians in the Age of Outrage. So obviously mm-hmm. I'm kind of passionate about it. Yeah, I think ultimately that what we want to do is recognize there are things to be upset about. There's uh, I'm I'm upset. I, I might even say I have a righteous anger about um about injustice, uh, you know, when it comes to a thousand different things from, from issues of race to the unborn to issue, and I could go on and on and on. And so what I want to say is, is it, when, when that escalates into an out of control outrage, I think right. when you put it, you said, when I, I give my wife a piece of my mind, she doesn't really get any, cause I'm out of control. And right. that's, I think that's the key. So what I would say is if we want to be angry in the way that God is angry and about the things that God is angry, that's a key thing in, in Christians in the age of outrage in the way that God is angry and about the things that God is angry, which is not generally what most people are angry about or how they're angry. So I would say be really careful with that. And when you are, what are you going to do? Like right, right now, you know, I'm, I get people, you know, uh, tweeting all the time, you know, people all the time and saying, uh, you know, speaking about pro-life issues, great. You know, come, come join, join, join me. You know, we go to downtown Chicago 
I spoke at the March for Life and and spoke up for issues of life. And and it's it's, it's January twenty first. It's it's can I tell you? I know you live in a paradise in Southern California, but in Chicago, January twenty first is not the time right. when humans are supposed <laughs> right. to get outside. Right. And and yet we're there trying to work yeah. to make the the world a, a more safe place for the for the unborn. And at the same time, you know partnering together with faith leaders in the African-American community to say, you know, we're, we're angry about some systemic injustice issues. How do we speak up on that? Yeah. So I think we can rightfully and in a God honoring way have this, this concern, this even anger that aligns with in the way God is angry mm-hmm. and, and how God would have us to deal with it. On the other hand, it's this out of control. I'm just going to, you know, I heard someone say to me, I'm, I'm just going to be Frank. Well, listen, if your name's not Frank, yeah. let me offer <laughs> you to reconsider. Yes. Just being frank, what we all need to, and social media has been so bad for this. Listen, what you need to do is get your social media under the lordship of Jesus Christ. That's where so much anger is being vented today. So I, so I would say, uh, you know, God can use our anger when it's channeled rightly and responded to in a godly manner, but that's not most of the time what we see. And I think that's a discipleship issue. And I thank God for the kind of messages you're teaching and preaching. They're helping people to address things in a God honoring Mm -hmm. way, not brushing. I mean, even here, you haven't brushed issues under the table, but we've got to deal with them in a way that honors the Lord. Not that just vents and gets us happy that we're able to vent all that we thought about everything. Yeah. Yeah, Amen. That's good. Jane, let's get to this question from Jane. Jane says, I just had a conversation with a friend about politics. I told her that at church, our pastor is having a series on religion and politics. Hmm. Yeah. That could be you. Yes, it's me. Um, she said, why are you going to church? Apparently you need to be around like-minded people and you guys are having faith and, and you guys are having faith in one man, Jesus, to save you. Sounds like a cult. Hmm. She says, I wasn't offended, but instead I felt sorry and knew I needed to pray for her. How can I have more conviction, live boldly, and approach a topic like this with non-believers while being aware everyone is overly sensitive about everything? Yeah, I would say I feel like we're all in a cult now. That's what I I mean. Every group is cultish. So so the problem with social media is everybody is flocked to their own way of thinking. And anybody that speaks outside of that right is an unbeliever, you know, and you must you must pull away. And it's it's just so sad. you know, I love what Barack Obama says when he talks on that topic. Until then, he ostracizes Fox News. And I'm like, man, you could learn a lot if you listen to these right, guys right. because that's half the country. Yeah. But it's not his half. Hmm. You know, uh, when Joe Biden says Donald Trump is wrecking the country, he means it from his perspective. Yeah, sure. I mean, Donald Trump is, is one of the most conservative presidents we've ever seen. And so if I'm a liberal, right, that's terrible, vice versa. Right. And so we have to say... You know, how, how, do, how do I reach this person? And I would just say to Jane, I would just say, I'm really sorry that you feel that way. Yeah. I feel like, and I would use this language, I feel like our church is different. And I feel like our pastor is trying to get us to think beyond the issues. I don't feel like our pastor is cultish. He's trying, I mean, you've not heard me say how to vote. Nope. Um, nope. You know, I told our church this week, Ed, you know, vote your conscience and trust God's choice. That's what I said. I said that, you know, that's what you got to do. And in the end, you know, God's, God's going to choose. Daniel says the Lord makes kings and the Lord removes kings. And we need to trust God in that process. Um, you know, we live in this bizarre Democratic Republican form of government where nobody even knows what it means anymore. Um, but we get to participate in this form of government. And so what I would just say is I would say just I would acknowledge the feelings and I would say, yep, I, a lot of people are that way. And I'm really, really 
you know, sorry to hear that you feel that way. And I say this, Jane, because I have, re I have relatives who do not understand what I do. They do not like what I do. Uh, they would view me as a right wing white supremacist in many, many ways. And they're, my relatives are white. Yeah. Right, right, right. I mean, right. it's a weird thing yeah. uh, because I have some conservative values. Sure, sure. And so, but, but at the end of the day, I want to, I want to hear, you know, and so Ed, we talked about, um, a couple of weeks ago, um, uh, Joshua marching around Jericho for six days and the Lord said to be silent for six days. And I think that there's wisdom there. And what yes. that means is we need to listen before we shout. And so we need to listen before we speak. And I would just really take time, listen to where your friend's coming at, from the, her perspective. Cause what's important is not left what's right. What's important is not any issue. What's important is her, a soul that's hurting. And how do I speak to her and, and how do I listen to her? And that's, you know, unfortunately that's why cults grow. Cause they're so much better at it than Christians. Yeah. You know, they sit down and listen and, you know, suck people in. And it's like, gosh, we have the gospel. Why can't we listen to people and, and just say, you know, I can't tell you how many times, Ed, I've had somebody say this to me. I can't believe uh, how good you are at listening. And I'm a talker. I mean, you know, I'm a talker. And I've had to force myself to learn to listen because I found that that's the best tool for me then to speak. Right, sure. And um, I learned that in my marriage. Mm -hmm. I learned that with my kids. I've learned that with the lost. The best thing I can do is let somebody talk and I try to figure out a way where I can maybe find a place where we agree and then start from there. Uh, I think that cultism, you know, in our country should bother all of us. Yeah. Uh, and I, and I really think that's the way it is. Um, you know, you know, my, uh, my niece who lives in uh, Seattle doesn't know a Republican. Like, wow. she doesn't know wow. one. Nobody. Wow. So if Trump wins, right, who are these people? Right. Sure, sure, right. <laughs> you know, who are these people? Yeah. And then I got friends. They don't, they don't know anybody that's voting for Biden. And it's because we just keep flocking yeah. to people that agree with us. And it's, it's why I think political discourse is so bad. Because none of us have had to actually, you know, argue our point in a way that actually makes a difference. What do you think, Ed? Yeah, I would say too. I think I think we we both live you and and, and I and our you guys and I, uh, you live in a, you know a, a red red state blue state with got red attributes to it, and I, I I'm the same here in the Chicagoland area. Uh, my vote actually is sort of already uh, didn't matter who I voted yeah. for, whether I voted one or the other. Same with you, because we all know where the electoral college will go with our states. What I would say is there is a sense though that we are increasingly living apart from one another. And as such, you know, places that we do mix, even in a place like Riverside County or all the other places that, you know, Sandals is so multi-site now, uh, there will be neighborhoods and communities where it's predominantly Republican, neighbors, communities yes. are predominantly Democrat. And yeah. people are like shocked that how can anybody think differently? And then now there is a sense that this cult accusation, now it's not common because most people wouldn't say that practicing Orthodox Christians, you know, small O Orthodox like your church and my church yeah. are, the cult. But here's the reality. I, I think in the years to come, uh, Christianity is increasingly being marginalized in our culture, right? Yes. Where about 1% less Americans call themselves Christians every year. And those who are devout are actually, who use the word Christian to describe themselves are, are you know, the 20s by now as well. And that's yeah. all kinds of groups who use the word Christian to describe themselves. Some we would not even want in that category. But so here's the thing I think we need to acknowledge. Someone says we're a cult. I'm going to say to them, listen, we're not mind controlling anybody. People come and go if that's yeah. what you mean by a cult. But I get that we believe some strange things. I really believe yes. that the God of all the universe sent his sure. son, born of a virgin on the backwaters of the Roman Empire. He lived a sinless life and he died on the cross. And then 
God raised him from the dead in the third day. So I believe, similarly, matter of fact, I'm not even done. I believe that he's coming back on a white horse with a flaming sword coming out of his mouth. Now, here's the thing. Yeah. I get that it's easy to dismiss religious people as kooky or in a cult, but the reality is that has shaped and changed my life. So if you want to think I'm a cultist, you know, I can leave, you could leave. Matter of fact, you could even come and see, but at the end of the day, if what's happened to my life is real and true, it's the reality that I've experienced, but it's the reality of the whole universe. So I actually, I don't want to run away from the strangeness of Christianity. Mm. I think we need to embrace the weird and, and tell people to look. And so come look at Sandals Church. Look at the lives that have been changed. The, the marriages have been reconciled. The, the people have been made whole. The, the races that have been reconciled. The relationships that have been healed. The people that have been transformed. And you decide because we got no, no, there's no, there's no bars on the doors. You decide if at the end of the day, the life change here is reflective of some reality that's shaping even more than the day to day. So I, again, let's embrace the strange people and call us a cult. I would say, I don't think that's really what you mean. We do believe some odd things, but why don't you look at what's taking place in this community yeah, and see if that might be something that you might say that's worth looking into more. Mm -hmm. that's good. And that's what, you know, again, what he just said is so important. Yeah. And I hope that everybody listening, the biggest argument for the resurrection is the change that Jesus Christ has made in your life. And when, and when you look somebody in the face and you say, this Jesus, because a dead guy can't change your life. It's not his philosophies. Right. It's not his teachings. This resurrected guy lives yes, in yes, me yes. and it resurrected my marriage. It gave me hope. It changed my life. You know, I once was lost, but now I'm found. When And that's what happened to me, right? I got ran over by this truck, yeah. you know, as this, hmm. you know, uh, uber liberal, hyper politicized, you know, I was a Clinton supporter. I was on the 1992 uh, Clinton campaign, you know, like, I mean, I was out there, man. I was... I was, I was so far and, and God just ran me over with a truck yeah. and spoke to me and he changed my life. Yeah. He changed my life. And, and I know, and I want everyone to listen. I know that I went to church. I was in an immoral relationship with my girlfriend. I still don't remember why we went to church, but we went, I sat in church and I listened to pastor Greg glory speak. And he spoke to the depths of my soul because it was God speaking. And my life is different. Yeah. My life is different. Yeah. Uh, Ed, this is a true story. You haven't heard this, but my girlfriend, I, I got up to go forward for the uh, invitation. My girlfriend said, what are you doing? And I said, I'm going forward. And she looked me in the face and she said, if you go forward, we're done. Wow. wow. And I said, then I guess we're done. Wow. wow. I guess we're done. And uh, left me a little beautiful note on my car in the parking lot that my wife has saved. Um, wow. You know, <laughs> and right. Uh, it, it's just, you know, it's just such an amazing thing. And, and that's what we have to talk to people about. And, and that's the thing is Trump is not Jesus. Right. And that's the thing that concerns me. I, I may agree with Trump on many things, but you know, his rhetoric is not Jesus. And that is so offensive to people. Yeah. And it's, you know, Ed, did you grow up Baptist? I did not. I grew up nothing. Okay. There, there you go. So he came from nothing. Right. So I grew up Baptist. And so I know what it's like to live under that snorting, fuming, yeah. angry, you know, and it just doesn't help, it, you know, you're preaching to the same 80 people right. every week, yeah, yelling sure, at them, sure, you know, sure, it just, sure, it's yeah. not productive. And when I have a conversation like that with somebody who says that I'm a cult, I just go, this is a God ordained moment. I don't know when God's going to move. I don't know if God's going to move in my words, yeah. but I know that this person's going to remember my attitude and my behavior. Yeah. And I want it to be something that they remember that guy cared about me. I can't tell you, you know, over the years, I've been at Sandals now 23 years, Ed, where I've ministered to somebody decades ago and they got saved last month or they got saved. So I don't know what God's timeline is, yeah. but I know this, that in that moment, 
It's real easy for me to get, you know, defensive. And I have opinions about taxes because I pay a lot. You know, I, I, can get, I can get real worked up about that. But my money is temporary. That soul is eternal. Yeah. And I have to remind myself of that. Um, and it's just so huge, you know. And I, and I think, you know, what Ed said is frightening, but it's real. There's going to be less and less of us. Yeah. And historically as a country, we've not treated minorities well. <laughs> we just haven't. And so a, as Christians, we become increasingly a religious minority. Yeah. Um, you know, we, we have to prepare for that, that we're going to be mistreated because we, we, there's a track record there. And we have yeah. to we have to understand that and anticipate that. So, man, Ed, I wanted you to um, end our time with just um, um, following up um, with this last question that I personally have. Today is Election Day. Yeah. And uh, most likely after today or who knows, whenever we I don't get know. the votes <laughs> kind of tallied in today's Election Day. If you could speak to all the Christians out there in the United States, um, what would you tell them moving forward? After Election Day or on Election Day? You mean after the election is settled? After the election, because this, uh, a few people will hear this today, but the majority of people will hear this. It doesn't come out on video, Ed, yeah. until tomorrow. Okay. So Wait, we're on you? video? I should have. I should have. Uh, yeah, I was going to tell you about good. your hair, but I was like, yeah, you know yeah, what? Yeah, we're halfway we're through it. So. The, the goatee is on. <laughs> yes. So what I would tell them is uh, that, of course, we don't know who's going to win, but right. either way, it's going to be a lot of people that are disappointed. Yeah. And what I would say to you is, is that um, the country is in need of healing. Mm. Um, I, th I think I think one of the things that President Trump wins, we, you know, Matt, you start talking about, you thought it'd be different after he won, and it doesn't seem to be that he's no. different. This is who he is, and we could expect that to continue. But it doesn't. Um, mean that we can't continue to work for for healing, even though we might yeah. uh, disagree maybe with his tone or his approach. There are ways we can engage locally, uh, communities, and more. Maybe you're not going to impact you know the, the 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 Washington scene anyway. Neither am I in most ways. Yeah. I would say too, if, if it's Vice President Biden, people have very strong feelings about some of the approaches that they that that the Democratic Party has taken. Um, you know, Kamala Harris as well, and some of the. Uh, you know, challenges there. Some of the, what does that mean for the future? I would say we can still work for, for common understanding in communities and in context and more. My biggest concern is that um, is actually not the community. It's actually the church, and, and not because I'm not saying the, the community might be super important, but part of my concern is is because uh, you know sandals would be part of a movement called evangelicalism. We don't right. always use that term maybe around in every church, but. Um, Evangelicalism itself has been impacted here, where, where white evangelicals have been overwhelmingly supportive of the president, yeah. and evangelicals of color um, have not been. Mm. And sometimes there's that tension: how how could you support this person? How could you support this person? Yeah. Right. And my hope is that followers of Jesus will acknowledge that people make complex voting decisions, and uh, they they hopefully hold biblical values. Some of the things I listed earlier. Remember, I talked about issues of. Uh, of life and racial and, and racial inequity and and immigrants mm -hmm. and refugees and, and religious liberty. Hopefully, all Christians who voted for whoever they voted for hold all of those things as values. They might have come to different voting decisions about how to mm -hmm. address them. What's their voting strategy? Well, if I do this, then this will happen because this will. Anyway, we don't know. But here's what we do know: um, we still need to have not to say well, let's brush it off. We still need to have hard conversations inside the church. But my concern is we'll just say, all right, let's forget, let's move on. No, we still need to talk about right. some of these things. Right. And in talking about some of these things, we need to learn how followers of Jesus have decided differently, what that means for us as followers of Jesus, and then find a way together. I'm really convinced that churches like Sandals, um, you know, your churches, you know, I, I was the guy in charge of researching church 
churches for about 10 years. I ran a research company called Lifeway Research. We had a whole file on your church. And <laughs> it's in the, uh, it's in a section. We call it the uh, freakishly abnormal church section. <laughs> Thank you, Ed, um, for that. Uh, it's it normal to you, but it's not normal all that right. yeah. God has done through your church. Yeah, and even the different peoples and different backgrounds that are okay. there. So if that's all true, how do you shepherd that and steward yeah. that? that it becomes a gospel witness in the divided world, in a divided California, in right. a divided cities and counties that make up the campuses that are Sandals Church. That to me mm. is the immediate pressing concern. Well, I can't solve Washington, well, but we've got to make sure that our, the church, all the campuses that are our Sandals our mm. sandal Church yeah. are walking together in unity, listening and learning, not brushing things by and moving forward together for yeah. the gospel. Amen. Praise God. Ed doesn't Praise know God. we just started a Sandals anywhere in D.C. Yes, that's right. Exactly. Yes, yes, sandals right. is there. Right, right. In the, right in the Capitol building. Yes, we're there. And, and, and we're right around the corner in Chicago. Yeah, I know. Come on, watch out now. Dr. That's Crazy. right. Come on. Hey, Dr. Zetzer. Double doctor. So, that's his name. Double, double doctor. doctor. Dr. Doctor. Thank you so much <laughs> for hanging out with us on the debrief of Pastor Matt Brown. Uh, Pastor Matt, thank you, of course. Yeah. Dr. Zetzer, thank you so much. Hey, hopefully you guys have enjoyed this. Uh, this is the perfect time to share this episode with a friend, especially being in the season. And not only that, but I think we're still in our election yeah. series. Yeah, right? no, election doesn't end until Thanksgiving. Until Thanksgiving. So make yeah. sure you tune in. And we're still uh, we're still um, um, getting your question. You go to move.sc slash ask. Until then, we will see you next time on The Debrief. Debrief.